The following audio is from Citizens Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're interested in getting involved with our family, visit citizenscharlotte.com connect. Today's teaching text come from Hebrews 13, 7 through 9 and 16 through 18. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks, Carla. Well, as I said it before, my name is Tim. It is, is really good to be with you. Uh, let me pray for us, and then let's, uh, let's spend a little bit of time getting into God's word together. Lord, thank you once again for the, the privilege that it is to get to be with your people. And get to worship you and to get to hear from you, to get to gather in, in your presence. And we're grateful, and I'm grateful that we don't come in here to get your presence, that we come in as those already in your never ending presence. And you're always there, presence. So we come as those who are worshiping in the day in and day out of life to worship you in a specific way and to hear from your word. So God, I pray as we think about your scriptures, as we think about your truth and your reality for life, God, I pray that you would give us soft hearts, open ears, and minds that are ready to be shaped and molded and transformed and renewed by you. We need you for this, Lord. Pray like things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, uh, don't go to Hebrews, go to Ephesians chapter 4. So we're going to get to Hebrews eventually in a little while, that passage that Carla just read for us. But I want to start in Ephesians 4. And uh, as Kirby already said, if you're new, this is a really good Sunday for you to be with us because you get a little bit of a picture behind the scenes, behind the curtain, into what we're about as a church. And what we're about as a church is being a Jesus-centered family on mission with him. And a part of living out that vision is to be led by pastors who love God and love us and are trying to servant-heartedly, sacrificially, joyfully, with a Godward direction, lead us into that vision. And so tonight's going to look a little bit different. So our typical practice is to kind of dive into one passage of Scripture, kind of unpack it, talk about how it applies to our lives. But tonight, I want to hop around to a couple of different places. And really, I have a couple of goals. But before we get to that, let me just set up, in case you're confused, what we're doing. Tonight, we are ordaining Garrison Weiner into gospel ministry as a pastor. Which is worth celebrating. Now, ordination, if you're not familiar with that term, is just a really fancy church word for set apart or appoint. And so what we are doing together as a church is setting Garrison apart for this particular role within our church. And throughout scripture and throughout history, this is a pattern for the people of God. 
That when a man meets the qualifications of pastoral character in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus, when he has displayed evidence of both an internal and an external call towards ministry, and when there's a faithful history of him serving the Lord within the context of the local church, then we as a church want to set him apart as a pastor within our family. And Garrison has done and is continuing to do all of those things. He's a man of character. He, he follows and lives out a life in congruence with 1 Timothy chapter 3 and repents in the times where he misses the mark. He has a call towards gospel ministry as a pastor, both internally and affirmed externally as well. He has a proven track record of faithfulness to the local church. He spent five years serving at our sending church. He spent two and a half years here with us as a deacon, as a community group leader, as a, a preacher, and now as a pastor in training. And he has walked through with me a process of assessment and development on things like theology and character and what it means to live out a pastoral life. And so I would argue, and we would all agree because we talked about it a couple of months ago, that now is a good time to set him apart for this ministry. But before we do that, because this is our first time ever doing something like this as a church, I thought it'd be fitting to take this preaching moment to talk a little bit about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And in that, I, I kind of want to have three uh, parts to the section. If I can get a little bit Baptisty tonight, forgive me. That's a joke. Come on, let's, let's have some fun. Thank you. Here's the three parts. First, I want to answer the question for us, what is a pastor? What is a pastor? Second, I want to give some guidance and direction to us collectively as the people of Citizens Church. And then third, uh, Garrison and I are going to have a little bit of a heart-to-heart -heart in front of you all as witnesses. Okay, I'm going to give him directly some charges in front of all of us as he enters into this responsibility. And at the end of all of that, we're going to bring him up, pray for him, officially ordain him and commission him as a pastor here. So that's the three parts. We'll hit them fairly quickly. Let's start here. Part number one, let me answer this question for us, what is a pastor? What is a pastor? Now, there's great confusion over what the role of a pastor is or even should be in 2022. Is a pastor simply a relic from the past, an outdated profession who shouts things about God and religion into a secular culture? Is a pastor a business leader or a CEO or an entrepreneur that we kind of hand over the keys to running a business called the church? Is a pastor a motivational speaker or a professional counselor or some of both or neither and, neither or? If you were to ask some members of my extended family, they would tell you, if you ask them, what does Tim do as a pastor? They would say, well, he works really hard for about 30 minutes a week on Sundays and the rest of his week he spends meddling in other people's business. It's about as offensive as it sounds. <laughs> is that a pastor? What is a pastor? Well, the good news for us is we don't have to be confused. The scriptures tell us clearly what a pastor is and what he does. And here's my argument, and then we'll break it down from Ephesians chapter 4, and that's this. Pastors are gifts from God to serve the church and help lead it into maturity. Pastors are gifts from God to serve the church and help lead it into maturity. That's my argument. Let me show you this from Ephesians chapter 4. We'll take it kind of one phrase at a time. Number one, pastors are gifts from God. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 
1. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. AKA, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, he's urging you to live a life that's congruent with your stated belief. If you're going to say you're a Christian, live like a Christian. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he says, if you're a Christian, live like a Christian, and one of the biggest parts of living like a Christian is humble, self-sacrificing unity and forgiveness and love with other believers. Verse 4, here's why. For there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul says, if you're a Christian, live like a Christian in humility and self-sacrificing forgiveness and love. Why? Because there's one body of Christ. One people, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. When Christ died and rose again, he united us together as his people. But then notice what he says in verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So there's a unity in the people of God, but there's also a diversity of gifts. He says there's one body, one Lord, one faith, but different graces in the form of different gifts given to God's people. And he goes on to, to name a few of those gifts. Skip down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So that word shepherd there in the original Greek language is the word poimen. That's where we get our English word pastors. Now a lot of translations in English actually translate it that way. It says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So trace Paul's argument here, right? If you're a Christian, live like a Christian in unity and humility because there's one body but different gifts. And one of those gifts is what? The gift of pastors. Pastors are a gift. This is not a, a man-made idea. This is not an invention of humanity for coercion and control. This is a gift from God. Now let's state the obvious. There's a lot of ways that pastors don't live into and feel like a gift to his people sometimes. There's a lot of ways that power is corrupted and used and abused. There's a lot of ways that it goes south, but don't miss the core of what the scriptures tell us. And that is that pastors are a gift from God. Pastors are a gift, but not just as an end in and of itself. There's a purpose to it. Paul tells us the why. Keep reading. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And that leads us to our second part of that statement. So pastors are a gift from God to serve the church. I think it's helpful for you to either know or maybe be reminded of my job and Garrison's starting today as a pastor is not to do ministry. In fact, according to the text, the more ministry I do, the less I'm actually being faithful to the call of the scriptures on what my role is supposed to be. My work, what I'm called to pour myself out for in love and sacrifice with all of the power of the spirit working within me is to equip you, the people of God, for the work of ministry. My job is to equip you. Why? Because God has given you gifts. 
I'm following Jesus the most. I'm being most faithful to my calling when I'm working hardest at getting you to use the gifts God has given you in this church. Here's where it's important to emphasize that in light of all that, being a pastor, while it is a position of authority, is not a position of superiority. Those things are different. It is not a superior ministry than what is given to other Christians. In fact, later in in the scriptures, actually earlier in in your English Bible, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us that the Spirit gives gifts to every believer. It's that kind of famous passage where he talks about the body of Christ, and he says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you because you're a foot, right? And the eye can't say to the ear. He says all of us as followers of Jesus have gifts to contribute for the good of the church, And so while pastor is a position of authority, it's not a position of superiority. It was uh, Martin Luther, the reformer, who said it this way. He said, pastors are neither different from other Christians nor superior to them, except that they are charged with the administration of the word of God and the sacraments, what is baptism and communion. So ordination does not make someone a quote-unquote super Christian. Pastors are not super Christians There's an honor that comes with the calling, but ultimately being a a pastor is a call not higher, but humbler. A pastor's service is not superior, it's supportive. Pastors are not super saints, they are super servants. I mean, just think about all of the ways that the scriptures say that pastors are to serve and to care for the church. I've got a list. It's way longer than even what I can include here. 2 Corinthians 1.24, pastors are workers for our joy in Christ. Colossians 1.28, pastors are laborers for our holiness and maturity. Ephesians 4.12, what we just talked about, pastors exist to equip us, the saints, for the work of ministry. 1 Timothy 6.20, pastors are guardians of gospel purity and sound doctrine. Revelation 1.9, pastors are fellow church members, brothers in Christ. 1 Peter 5, pastors are under shepherds to the true chief shepherd, Jesus himself. In other words, ordination signifies that a pastor is set apart as a servant to the servants of God. That leads us to our third statement. Pastors are gifts from God to serve the church, but there's a direction to that. And that's that last statement. And help lead it into maturity. This is what Paul writes in verse 13 of Ephesians 4. He says, Equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. Notice, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And he continues on in the next couple of verses saying, hey, God gives the gifts to the church, and one of those gifts is pastors to help you grow up in Christ to help you do all of the things we've been talking about over the past 11 weeks, to mature into spiritually, emotionally, relationally healthy disciples of Jesus. And that phrase, their gifts from God to serve the church and help lead it into maturity is really crucial and key. Notice, help, not do it for you, not live out your discipleship to Jesus on your behalf, but to help you mature more and more into who Christ has called you to be. Pastors are to be godly leaders who help us be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what he did, who help us go more and more in love with God. So ordination, what we're doing today, is recognizing the gift God wants to give our church in Garrison Weiner. 
He has been, he is, and he will be a gift from God to serve us and to equip us for ministry and to help lead us into maturity. So in light of that, let me give us some charges now as a church. And I say us because I am also a member here too. I'm not just a pastor. I agree with the membership covenant. I'm a member. I live out being a member here as well. Part of what's happening today is me uh, coming up under Garrison's leadership as well as we mutually submit to one another. Talk about that in a second. But I just kind of want to give us some charges. So turn over with me. Hebrews chapter 13. What Carla just read for us a few minutes ago. It's a little bit right if you have a physical copy. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to try my best to keep us really close to the text here so you don't think I'm just saying stuff to make Garrison's life easier. That's not my, my goal or my intention. I want to show you from the word what the author of Hebrews says for us as a people how we should receive a pastor because of the goodness of God. So I have three things, three charges. Number one, receive his teaching and imitate his life. Receive his teaching and imitate his life. This is Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. The author writes, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So the author of Hebrews says in verse 7 to consider the lives of our leaders and imitate their faith so we are not pulled away by false teaching. And the specific false teaching he has in mind has to do with food and idols and some of the Jewish religious customs. Probably not the false teaching pulling at your heart right now in August of 2022. But there are a number of false teachings that pull on our heart day in and day out all of the time. And, and the author of Hebrews says one of the gifts of a pastor is that we would remember them, we would consider their way of life, we would imitate their faith, we would listen to their teachings such that we would be protected from false doctrine, that we would not be pulled into believing what is not reality about God or his world or our lives. So Garrison's life has been examined the way he seeks to follow Jesus and repent of sin is worth emulating. He's one you can follow and imitate your faith and life after. His ministry as a pastor is one of word and prayer to point you to Jesus through his teaching and through his counsel and through his guidance. And so our charge as members is to come up under his teaching, to trust him, to trust the word through him. So here's kind of, if I can put it clearly, you shouldn't accept counsel or teaching from Garrison even after tonight if it is contrary to scripture. But part of receiving his teaching means we don't reject counselor teaching from Garrison just because we don't like it. And that's part of the charge. It's part of the charge for me. That's part of the charge for you. His calling is to feed and correct and defend and protect and heal and comfort you from the word of God. And so let his teaching, let his counsel, let his encouragement as you're getting lunch, as you're getting coffee, as he's preaching on Sundays, let it be a protection and guard for your soul from everything that would call you away from the Lord. That's the first. Number two, follow his leadership joyfully. Follow his leadership joyfully. Verse 16, do not neglect to do good, to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. All right, let's talk about it. Obey your leaders and submit to them. You can send all angry emails to gwiner at citizenscharlotte.com, especially after tonight. And this might implicitly and instantly begin to rub us the wrong way, right? Like, let's call a spade a spade. We live in 2022 Western secular America, right? We hate authority. Wait, I mean, we loathe it. It's like whenever somebody tries to lead us anywhere, parent, teacher, boss, pastor, you name it. It's like something within us just implicitly is like, I don't think I like you. And I don't think I trust you. And I don't think I like what you're trying to say or do or, or push me towards right now. Submitting to anyone or anything really besides ourselves and our wants or our preferences or our desires goes against the grain of the entire culture we live in and our sinful nature of the flesh. One sociologist I read recently said it this way. He said, there is no law today except the law of self. We all want to be completely and utterly free and independent from anything or anyone that infringes on us or tries to lead us or shape our lives. It's just kind of within us. It's within me. I feel it all of the time. But here's the deal. Number one, good, godly, biblical authority is from God. It's a biblical idea. Up and down the scriptures, you see this playing out. In the Old Testament, God's constantly giving his people good, godly leaders. Prophets, kings, priests, folks to lead forward the people of God. In the New Testament, time and time again, if you trace the journey of Paul planting churches in Acts, one of the consistent things he does before he leaves the city is what? Appoint elders, appoint pastors, appoint leaders within the church. So it's a distinctly biblical idea. And all over the place in the scriptures, submission is seen as a part of human flourishing. All over the place. Christians are to submit to each other. That's one of the constant calls of scripture as we lay down our lives to bless and care for others. Wives are called to submit to husbands, even as both spouses mutually submit one to another. Children submit to parents. All of us as Christians, one of the key things it means to be a Christian is to submit to Jesus and Christians submit to their local pastors. I'm excited, to be honest with you, as a fellow pastor, but also a member of this church, to submit to Garrison's leadership. One of the things that we've talked about and, and talked about with you all a lot is that when this moment comes, we are going to share leadership. We're going to live in a true plurality, that I'm not going to call all the shots and he's not going to call all the shots. So that means there's going to be times where he's going to really, really want something. And he's going to have to come up under my leadership and say, no, I'm going to defer to you. And there's going to be times, hypothetically, where I'm going to have strong opinions. And I'm going to have to willingly and joyfully come up under his leadership. And there are going to be times over the months and years to come where he's going to want to step into your life and point you towards Jesus. And let me warn you now, even though we all love him and he's the kind one, you're not going to like it. So let me say two things. One, that's the flesh. Two, if he's really trying to put, point you and push you towards Jesus, and even though it's uncomfortable, and even if it's painful, and even if it hurts, and even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, know now to prepare for the moment that everything within you is going to not want to trust him. You're going to distrust his motives. You're going to distrust his heart. You're going to distrust what he's saying. You're going to want to push back. But he 
now, as of tonight, will give an account to God for your soul. If you're part of this church, he answers to God for you for as long as you're part of this church. What a terrifying reality for him, huh? And so the author of Hebrews says, make it a joy for them, not for his advantage, but for yours, for your advantage. Make it a joy. And if I can be honest with you guys, pastoring this church over the past two, two and a half years has been a deep joy for me. I'm excited to continue doing it. It's a joy. You guys receive the word on Sundays. You want to be pushed into godliness. You want to receive correction and rebuke and encouragement. You, you call me and you're like, what does the Bible say about this? How do I live into this? How do I press forward into this? You are a joy. I mean this with my entire heart. You are a deep, deep joy to lead. And so I know and I trust that by God's grace, you'll be the same for him. And hopefully you'll continue to be the same for me. Even with all the, you're no longer my pastor jokes. My prayer for you is simply this, soft hearts. Soft hearts of trust. Number three, final charge, we'll do this quick. Number three, pray for him. Pray for him. I love verse 18. The author of Hebrews says, pray for us. <laughs> if you read Paul's letters to the churches, it's somewhere in almost every single one of his letters, beginning and, and, or, and, whatever, often his most repeated request to the churches, pray for us. Pastoring is a difficult calling. It's a difficult burden. Garrison needs our prayers. I know so many of you have been praying for me and you encourage me with your prayers and it's been a huge blessing to me. Do the same with him. Pray for him. Tell him you're praying for him. Pray specifically. Ask him how you can pray for him. And one of the, the crazy promises of scripture is that there are things and powerful ways God wants to work in and through Garrison because of the prayers of his people. So if you read Colossians 4.3, your prayers is one of the tools God will use to open Garrison's doors to gospel ministry in our city and in our church. 2 Thessalonians 3, your praying is part of what God will use to deliver Garrison from evil. 1 Thessalonians 5, your praying is part of what God will use to guard his faith, to deepen his sanctification, to protect him from sin. So here's the deal, I, I say all that in charges and, and a lot of it's like, you guys have been doing this great. You really have. And so keep it up. That's my request. <laughs> Treat him like you've been treating me. All right, part three. That's part two. Part three. Now you can let me push on him a little bit. Garrison, I asked him to sit here so I could just stare at him. Sorry, Cole. The church is ordaining you for gospel ministry. And they're setting you aside and they're affirming you as one called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve Christ's bride. His bride. I mean, think about that. You're sitting next to yours right now. The church is Christ's bride. And he's setting you apart. Not for a superior role, but for a meaningful one. For a calling. So I want to give you four charges. We'll do them quick. Number one. Garrison, as your brother in Christ, as your friend, as a member of this church, and as a soon-to-be fellow pastor, number one, be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. I'm often struck by Jesus' interaction with Peter in John 21. So the story, Peter denies Jesus three times, right? And then Jesus dies, he rises again. We find Peter back on the boat, and he's kind of doing his thing. It's this whole uh, kind of picture that he has left the ministry, gone back to the trade. He thinks he's unworthy of ministry. And Jesus sits down with him, and they have breakfast. And now you are certainly not Peter, but I think that the questions Jesus asks him are very helpful for you. 
And with each question, after Peter's answer, he tells him, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, tend to my sheep. It's an invitation back into ministry. But the essential question Jesus asked Peter three times is this, do you love me? Garrison, that's a question you're going to have to return to time and time again as you take on this charge. Do you love Christ? Do you love Christ? I remember one of the the talks we listened to on retreat this year, uh, and had that quote from Ruth Haley Barton. She says, the best thing that you can bring to your church is your transforming presence. So be with Jesus. Love him. One day, this, though a good idea, will be glorified in eternity with Jesus, and it's going to be all about him. And so remember that as a means by which you say now it is all about him. And love him. Be with him. Care for your soul. Guard it. Protect it. Second one flows out of the first, and that is this. Garrison, be holy. Be holy. More than we as a church need your gifts, which you have, and more than we need your competency, which you have, and more than we need your capacity, which you have, we need your character. And we need your repentance. So be holy. I love the way Paul writes it to to Timothy when he's a young pastor in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. He says this, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he says, keep a close watch on your, your teaching. Teach right doctrine, right? Don't teach error, but keep a close watch on yourself. Guard your heart. Be holy. Fight for your sanctification. Temptation is real. Trying to follow Jesus into a unique calling, it's going to only get more difficult from here. Be holy and repent and trust the sacrifice of Christ. Number three, be a man of the scriptures. Be a man of the scriptures. Give us God's word. Right? When you're teaching up here, when we're getting coffee or lunch with you, we don't need uh, cool, fresh insights or anecdotes. We don't need pep talks. We need the word of God. These people, I think they would all agree, they need the word of God. They want the word of God. Paul, in that same passage, 1 Timothy 4, verse 13, says it this way. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. So study the word, learn the word, meditate on the word, commit the word to memory. Know the Bible so you can give these people who love you and love Jesus the Bible more and more. Because that's what they need. Number four, be a man of the gospel. Commit to returning us and yourself back to what is all of Christian life, which is the grace of God. You don't move past the gospel just because you're a pastor now. You're not suddenly no longer in need of the deep abiding mercy of God that never fails. You're not suddenly past it. You're not suddenly more mature than a need for it. You need the gospel, and we need the gospel. So be a man of the gospel. Tell us what Christ has done, and when we forget, tell us again. And when we forget, tell us again. And when you forget, remember again. We need the gospel. Just like we talked about last week, it's not the ABCs, it's the A to Z. It's everything for life with God. So give us the gospel over and over and over again. And when we say, yeah, 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 I know that, tell us again, because we need it. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I want to actually invite uh, Garrison up now, and we're going to officially commission him and and ordain him into public ministry. So you you can come on up. Y'all can clap for him. That'd be cool. (laughs) 
I was really boring tonight, I guess. That's my bad. Uh, all right, so just like we do with member commissioning and uh, with new parent commissioning and with all the different uh, commissionings and things that we do, uh, we have some commitments. And these commitments are not new. I didn't just make them up. They've been our pastoral commitments from the beginning. They're what I committed to, what you're going to commit to, what every pastor here on forward will commit to. Uh, and it's six things, six statements that shape and uh, give uh, some guardrails and some guidelines to what it is that, that you're doing here at this church. Uh, and so they're going to be on the screen, and what we're going to do is I'm going to read them for us, and if you commit to them, then I'd love for you to say loud for the people in the back, by God's grace, I will. Garrison, do you commit to appoint future elders and deacons according to the criteria assigned to them in the scriptures? By God's grace, I will. Do you commit to prayerfully seek God's will for our church family, steward the resources entrusted to you to the best of your ability based on the leading of the Spirit and the Scriptures? By God's grace, I will. Do you commit to care for the members of citizens and seek their growth in grace, truth, and love, equipping them for the work of ministry? By God's grace, I will. Do you commit to provide teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture and to guard against false teaching and teachers? By God's grace, I will. Do you commit to lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the glory of God, the good of the one disciplined, and the health of the church as a whole? By God's grace, I will. And lastly, do you commit to set an example and join members in fulfilling the commitments of Citizens Church membership? By God's grace, I will. We have some gifts for you uh, to recognize the occasion. Dan, if you don't mind bringing them up, they've got some some symbolism to them. (laughs) Don't look at that one yet, it's a secret. Don't worry about it. So we've got a Bible for you. So everything I just talked about, uh, be a man of the word. And this is, this is the Holy Scriptures. It is the only thing that's inerrant, <laughs> right? Lots that we say aren't inerrant. Lots Sometimes they have error. Sometimes, especially me, they have lots of error. I try my best. Uh, but give us the word. Study it, learn it, preach it, counsel from it, teach it. Be a, be a man of God's word. Secondly, uh, we have a shepherd's staff for you. I will warn you before I give this to you, Amazon Reviews wanted me to tell you that you should not use it for actual shepherding. (laughs) They were very upset. Uh, I don't even think it's real wood, but (laughs) you know our budget, come on. Uh, But this is for you, and this is a symbolic thing, right? As we read in the passage, right, he gives shepherds. I like it, yeah. I I made sure I got the right height. Thanks. Um, Pastors are shepherds. And what that means for you, and you can put it in your office or do whatever you want with it, walk with it around the ministry center. Um, but seriously, though, let it, when you see it, let it be a reminder that you were called to shepherd the people of God. That these folks who are part of your church family, you're called to care for them, you're called to defend them, you're called to protect them, you're called to lead them after Christ. So every time you see it, let it be a reminder to pray to seek the Lord's will, to shepherd them, to care for them, to be like, dang, that's a really cool shepherd staff that Tim picked off on Amazon. You're welcome. We love you. We're excited for you. Proud of you. Proud of Christ in you. We're excited for the ministry that you're going to have. Here's what I'd love to do. Uh, We're going to invite Cole up. They're going to come right down here to the front. Um, And what I'd love to do uh, is if you uh, know Garrison, love Garrison, and feel comfortable and want to, we are going to do a practice that it's as old as the New Testament, where we're going to gather together with them and lay hands as a a gesture of praying for them and with them as they enter ministry. So if you love them, care for them, want to be a part of this, and you feel comfortable, come on up, but you got to move quick. And I'm going to pray for them uh, together. 
Everybody good? All right. Let's pray. Lord, pastors are a gift. And they're from you. And it's your kindness and it's your mercy to us as a church to give us Garrison. And what a blessing he has been to me personally, to so many in our church. Well, the way that he has loved us, the way that he has cared for us, the way that he has done so much of the work of pastoring even before the title or the office. I mean, he's a gift. And we love to see the way that you've worked in his heart over the past 10 plus years, the way that you've shaped him and molded him, the way that you've cared for him, the way that you've brought him and Cole together, the way that you've worked in their relationship and their marriage and their hearts. Lord, and so we, even as we commit him to this church for this responsibility, Lord, we commit him to you. God, that you would guard him, that you would protect him. God, by the power of your spirit, you would sanctify him and mold him and shape him, that he, first and foremost, would be a disciple of you, that he would look more like Christ in five years and 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, and that he would prioritize every day getting on his face before you saying, Jesus, I love you. And I'm deeply loved by you. God, and would you let him minister and pastor out of that heart every day that is to come? A heart that is deeply loved by you. God, we pray for a powerful ministry. We pray for an effective ministry. God, not just in, in numbers, but in fruit. God, that as he counsels people, as he preaches the word, as he leads in various circles, as he cares for members, as, as he thinks about vision, as he does all of the things you've called him to do as a pastor, Lord, would you abundantly multiply the fruit in our church? Would you give great gospel impact in our city? God, would you spread your kingdom more and more because of his yes to step into this role? God, would you be with Cole? Now, being a pastor's wife is a tough calling. It's a tough burden. God, would you protect her heart? Would you care for her? Would you guide her? God, would you remind her that she is loved, that she also, just like Garrison, has nothing to prove? She's loved by you. She's called daughter of God. Would you give her as well, alongside of Garrison, a powerful ministry? Care for her, protect her, protect their marriage. God, keep them strong. Guide them, not just side by side, but towards one another. They would look back five, ten years from now and say, man, our marriage is stronger and healthier and better because of this role, because of God's guidance and his goodness. God, would you help us? We need you. God, so much of our hearts don't like authority, God. Would you help us just joyfully, gladly, with grace and compassion, come up under his leadership? God, give him a powerful ministry in our hearts. Soften our hearts to him. Help us to trust him. Help us to care for him, to pray for him, to encourage him, to spur him on towards more and more good deeds, to honor him as the gift that he is to our church. We love you. Pray all these things in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.